Um, I am a secondary school teacher, so it feels, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it feels very rare to not have to beg for a group of people's attention for long time. <laughs> so thank you. That's already an exceptional start. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am Keely. Um, my husband, Richard, um, and I were part of this Blueprint Whanau for about five years, and we now um, live in Lyle Bay and go to and help lead Lyle Bay Community Church. Yo, yo. Um, LBCC was the first church planted out of this church, um, which is pretty cool to be part of. Um, I was saying to Richard before the service started that this morning um, I spoke at church and there was a few of us away, so we totaled 16 people, and so this feels like a mega church, <laughs> which is, yeah, strange. Um, anything else about myself? Yeah, I'm a secondary school teacher, um, currently school holidays, which is very nice. Um, yeah, spend time Lyle Bay. Um, we live with Cindy and Andy Newport and their four-year-old Audrey, which is a real treat. Uh, we live in the Vicarage, which is opposite our church, and we do hospital rhythms, pretty similar but more family style to what you guys do here. Cool, cool. We have a cat. And we have a cat, and her name is Peach, and she's delightful. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Um, awesome. Um, so, when Rose asked me to speak as part of this Led by the Spirit series, the first thing that came to my mind was the transformational work God has done in my life, through understanding his desire to reconcile all things. Yeah, wow. thank you. <laughs> I want to share with you today how God has made things new in my life and how I have been led to reconcile. Uh, so firstly, I want to define reconciliation as the restoration of relationships. The restoration of relationships. Uh, the verse I'm going to be using today is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. I think Rebecca's going to pop it up here. Uh, so in these verses, um, <laughs> um, these verses sit in the first third of the book, and in these verses, Paul himself is reconciling with the Corinthians as they continue to ignore his leadership and search for something bigger, better, and brighter. So Paul says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come; the old has gone; the new is here." All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Justin Welby, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury, recently said in a trailer for a video series about faith in a conflicted world, that he believes with all his heart that reconciliation is his call on every human being. He goes on to state that the world cries out for people committed to reconciliation whose actions and words show that a new and better way is possible. I believe that the work of reconciliation is about restoration and peacemaking, which is fu oh, excuse me. fundamental work for those who are committed to seeing healing in our relationships, our neighborhoods and cities, and in our world. The call of reconciliation in my life has transformed how I see God and hold a relationship with him. 
So my first point tonight is God reconciling all things to himself means we are co-workers with Christ. Verse 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And Paul goes on to say in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. The important part to note here about God reconciling himself to all things is that he has already won. With the sacrifice of his son, all creation is being made new and is restored. Jesus' work in restoring man's relationship to God also restores the rest of creation. So what? What, are the, what implications does this have for us? From reconciliation comes partnership. God reconciled all things, not just his relationship with mankind, all creation has been reconciled. Verse 20 says, as though God were making his appeal through us. We are the hands and feet of Christ, and we partner with him to see the restoration of our world. Further on in 2 Corinthians, Paul says to the people of Corinth, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. What does it look like to accept the grace we have received from God from being reconciled to him and be a co-worker? Being a co-worker with Christ can look like the important work of reimagining. Reimagining is envisioning what God's kingdom looks like and having hope and faith that fulfill this vision. Reimagining is longing for transformation and being willing to participate in change. When we reimagine, we get to remind ourselves that renewal and reconciliation are God's work. They are God's work at hand, they are His business. There is a bigger reality beyond what we see in front of us. So what can reimagining look like? We can reimagine what church looks like, reimagine how we do housing, reimagine what success looks and feels like, and reimagine how we share our resources. Often we get stuck in the conveyor belt of how society expects us to succeed and live our lives. Reimagining with God creates room for his transformation to take place and an opportunity for us to see his kingdom come. But reimagining is not a solo practice. Anglican priest and reconciliation trainer Renee August says, The prophets are those who have had a long look at the world. They have examined their context well and listened to the pain of those on the margins. They have seen the contradictions, injustices, idolatry, hypocrisy, and hopelessness that surround them. They then give themselves to the work of remembering. As they remember their own stories and the stories of God at work among them, they remind themselves of the things God dreams about. They then go beyond dreaming to doing the work of imagining. What would their world look like if God's dreams for their world came true? Based on their knowledge of who God is, they begin to tell new stories of their world. They do this in community, never alone. What would our city look like if God's dreams for our city came true? Where can we enter into God's creative imagination to visualise transformation in the people and places around us? Something I get asked a lot when meeting new people is, do you and Richard own a home? Or where do you and your husband live? 
And I respond with, no, we haven't yet considered buying a house, although Sadia talks about it with us often. Um, and I respond <laughs> with, um, actually, we uh, live with three other young adults um, and do community with them. Or we live in the vicarage with our friends and their four-year-old. Yes, it's a choice, and yes, it's sometimes hard, but it's definitely something we have chosen intentionally. Our housing situation is something we, and many of our communities, have reimagined. The curious questions and confused statements we, and I'm sure many of you, receive, to me, is a clear indication that we are reimagining what our communities look like in order to see God's kingdom come and be co-workers with Christ. Making bold and countercultural choices that veer from the social conveyor belt takes courage. So my first point is God reconciling all things to himself means being co-workers with Christ. And my second point is reconciling to God means living into the peace of God. <laughs> I'm really glad we are. <laughs> Thanks. Um, verse 20 says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This for me was difficult. I grew up in a faith household that was fear and guilt-based, which formed a personal relationship with God that felt transactional. My relationship was based on what I had to give and how often I could give, rather than being deeply known and loved for just being. It says in verse 19, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. In my early relationship with God, I believed that my sins were being tallied because the people around me were very obviously counting them. In formative years, the relationships that make up our world usually dictate your understanding of how God, God works, especially within relationships. From what I witnessed, grace was limited, not abundant like God had promised. Being reconciled to God for me meant living into the freedom of a relationship that is loving, not transactional, and that allows for growth and error. A turning point for me was when Scotty introduced the liturgy that you guys use, and now Brooklyn and Lyle Bay use, for communion. I remember standing where you are now sitting and hearing the words for the first time, Through Christ, God has put away your sins. Approach your God in peace. Upon hearing this, my stomach shrank. These 12 words, in these 12 words, God was making a way for my sins to be absolved and for me to push forward into relationship with him, even though I am flawed. The calm and comforting idea that God is peace allowed me to step forth for communion, knowing that by this act of Eucharist, I was reconciled to God and him to me. Fiona Medivis spoke at Lyle Bay last week and she talked about accepting hospitality from others by following the example of Christ and how uncomfortable it is to receive rather than give. The process of Eucharist is part of the process of God reconciling himself to us as a church and as individuals. Receiving Eucharist is receiving hospitality. I remember sitting in Midnight Mass in 2015, my first proper high church service, and the table was set. Those serving communion had started to walk to the parts of the church for, to make it accessible for people to partake. Richard, who grew up in a Catholic school, was familiar with this process. And so he started to proceed to collect and take his communion. I, who grew up in a Bible church, whose communion looked like tiny plastic cups in personal isolation and silence, 
started to panic. <laughs> Where do I walk? What do I do? What do I say? Do I drink from the cup? Do I then return to my seat? I was anxious. <laughs> the uncomfortability of partaking in this tradition was overwhelming. What I didn't recognize through this anxiety was that those serving the communion were offering me hospitality. As it says in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The symbols of bread and wine being offered through hospitality are how God comes to each of us to reconcile and restore relationships through the sacrifice of his son. So my first point was God reconciling all things to himself means we are co-workers with Christ. And my second point was reconciling to God means living into the peace of Christ. My third point is reconciling to others means being Christ ambassadors. I want us to imagine what reconciling to others looks like in our church lives, our personal lives, and in our work or study lives. Reconciling with others is a living testimony to those around us that demonstrates how we, as Christians, believe others should be treated. This is a powerful example in a world that ignores the marginalized and creates in and out groups. Relationships create a revolution of belonging and acceptance. God calls us to be a people of peace, and as we hear in verse 20, we are called to be Christ's ambassadors. So what does it look like to be an ambassador and reconcile with others? In my life, there has been hard and humbling work, which has redefined many of the foundational relationships in my life. The work of reconciling to others can be small or large and often cause us to be great leaders of integrity and champions of righteousness. One thing that has shaped my idea of others in this community was when Richard and I first joined Blueprint. We were amazed by the diverse range of people that attended and who were welcomed in this space. They were not welcomed and told to be quiet. They were welcomed and loved unconditionally. In the first year of Cuba Street Flat, I would often go around for dinner as Richard was living there. And there, once again, would be a diverse group of people who were welcomed and celebrated. This diversity was new for me as I grew up in a culture of othering. It felt uncomfortable and it took me a long time to authentically engage. This role modeling clearly defined my new idea of dignity and humanizing all peoples. Having these ideas reshaped and having examples has helped me acknowledge the worthiness of all people to be reconciled. I am challenged to forgive, respect, and re-engage with people who have hurt me, who have undermined me, and who have not acknowledged my own worthiness. God has called me to partner with him and in his strength, show grace and forgiveness. One of the most challenging times I have been called to reconcile was in 2019, when Richard and I moved back to Rotorua. We moved back to save money and then to move to the UK for a season. We moved in with Richard's parents, and within four weeks, the relationship had completely broken down. Richard's mum had reached breaking point with her perception of what was happening in her house, with her perception of her relationship mostly with me and her perception of what was happening within Richard and I's relationship. 
Deb exploded with fear and anger that had been brewing for 10 years, which had eventuated from his parents not feeling able to reconcile the small things along the way. She combusted. The shock and confusion drove Rich and I out of the house where we sought refuge elsewhere and began a three-month silence with his parents. We were sickened with grief and I was hurt by the lies that were infiltrating my truths and keeping me up at night. I was angry, so, so angry, and I played the victim well. This was the very event I needed to draw a line in the sand to distance myself from Richard's parents for good. As the pain and anger diffused, I realized that this event had put me in control. Untrue and unkind things were said about me, and I was the one who was owed an apology. So how would I shape the narrative of the ending? I felt a call that if I believed in a gracious Lord, one who had transformed my life through reconciliation, then surely I should offer the same to the other. Feeling scared and small, Richard and I sat through three sessions, totaling six hours of mediation with Chris and Deb. We were led by an amazing Christian mediator who gave up her Saturday mornings and who led us so beautifully from pain to healing. I was committed to reconcile. I had seen it done in my community. And I knew that if I believed in a God that I had witnessed welcome and make room for all, then healing and renewal of our relationships was the only option. I have also been called to reconcile in my occupation. As I said earlier, I am a secondary school teacher and I decided to become a teacher in year 13 because I was so fed up with how poorly prepared, poorly communicated and non-inclusive my own teachers and lessons were. My initial motivation was frustration and arrogance, but as I entered my teacher training in 2018, I realized that my arrogance had turned into passion. A passion to reconcile those akunga students who were being left behind and neglected by either racism, deficit theorizing and othering. My passion became to learn from and excessively teach the last, the lost, and the least of our nation's schooling system. In my first essay for my Teaching 301 paper, I outlined my developing teacher philosophy as consisting of three points. The first was that arts and art subjects are an important and crucial part of learning and development from early childhood education through to secondary school level. The second was that there should be an emphasis on holistic well-being and learning within schools and in the classroom. The third and final point was that tiriti or waitangi should be upheld and honoured in all New Zealand schools. These points continue to drive my philosophy and help me work to ensure that the rangatahi at my school are seen for all that they are and are welcomed as tangata whenua or tangata tiriti. Our working and our studying lives have a huge part of how our time is spent. And I desire my time to be spent helping reconcile a system that for years put harsh conditions on how our young people could participate. It feels rare to hold a belief that as an authoritative figure in my own classroom, I do not think I am above or better than my students just because of my age or status. Reconciling the power dynamics in our schooling system is necessary to give the students their own voice and ownership over their learning. I prompt you to consider where you are a partner in helping reconcile the relationships of others in your work or learning spaces. 
An opportunity that all of you in this church and throughout our wider Anglican Fano have to reconcile to others is through the passing of the peace. This tradition is done to acknowledge that before taking communion and entering into a space where we are um, offered the hospitality of God, that we need to reconcile to him and make right the relationships with others. We are forgiving and making new the relationship before God. This instruction is biblical and is found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 23-24. It says, Therefore you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. This weekly tradition lays the groundwork for us to take action towards reconciling to others and being righteous people of God. The freedom I have received through God's hospitality and the sacrifice of his son helped me reconcile the idea that I was not worthy. When we live into the fullness of God's love and truth, surely we desire others to know the same fullness of life that we experience so we become God's ambassadors. I believe that this is what we are all called to. We are called to acknowledge that God has reconciled all things to himself, which means that we are co-workers with Christ. I believe we are called to acknowledge that reconciling to God means living into the peace of Christ. And I believe that we are called to acknowledge that reconciling to others means we are Christ's ambassadors. But beyond acknowledging these three points, we are called into the work of reimagining and being co-workers with Christ and the Spirit. I want to end with a prayer from Patrick Otuma, who is an Irish theologian, poet, and conflict mediator who knows the ins and outs of very difficult reconciliation work. This is a prayer for reconciliation. Where there is separation, there is pain. And where there is pain, there is story. And where there is story, there is understanding and misunderstanding, listening and not listening. May we, separated peoples, estranged strangers, unfriended families, divided communities, turn toward each other and turn toward our stories with understanding and listening, with argument and acceptance, with challenge, change and consolation. Because if God is to be found, God will be found in the space between. I would ask you to consider where God is calling you to make peace with yourself or with others and to pray into what might be keeping you back from taking up the mantle of Christ's ministry of reconciliation. Ministry may sound like a full-time church gig, but the ministry of reconciliation is in our everyday life and is where God leads us all. Christ calls us into the fullness of life and wants to partner with us as co-workers to see full restoration and renewal in our communities, our own lives, and in our relationships. But remembering the good news of the strength of community, that this demanding work must be led by us, but is never alone. We're going to take a couple of minutes just to meditate on something that maybe stood out to you. And then I'll come back and we're going to do the passing of the piece. <laughs>